Church, why don't we give a warm welcome to Pastor Mike this morning. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. What a great worship time this morning. Just give the team a clap and just appreciate them. And that was great. And Kate, well, I loved it. Joe's going to ask something. Just a quick side thing. If anybody here has got children between the years of 7 to 10, come and see Doug after the service because I'll still be up here singing. And he can fill you in with upcoming events and we'll get some flyers. And also if you have... Um, Senior youth, come and see Doug and he'll let you know what's coming. So down here at the end of the service, give you some more info. Great. What a great work you guys are doing. Fantastic. Really appreciate you. Just put your hand up and getting involved with teenagers. And investment in the future. Love it. <laughs> great stuff. Well, praise the Lord. Why don't you open your Bible in Ephesians chapter 2. Last, uh, uh, I've shared two messages on the theme called legacy. Legacy is what you leave behind after you. And the first one we just shared about legacy and some aspects of it. Last time, though, I spoke on receiving legacy from others and how that uh, not only does God directly give to us, but he gives to us indirectly through people, and he brings people into your life that you can draw from, and we share with you how to draw from someone who has obtained something in God that can give you a head start. In other words, you don't have to learn everything from the start. You can get near to people who can impart to you things that they have learned. Now, this time I want to speak on leaving a legacy, and uh, then next, way, next time I get to preach around this, I want to speak about your legacy in Christ. In other words, what Christ has made available for you and me to take hold of. Are we ready? So Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What an amazing, so I love the scripture, that before you were thought of, before you came into this world, God had already planned some unique things for you to accomplish with your life. Think about that. You may have come into a troubled background, very difficult circumstances, but God had designed you for some unique things to accomplish with your life. He prepared them for you. So Here's the first thing we see is everyone, everyone here has the power to influence people. Everyone can make a mark on the life of other people. In fact, whether you're intentionally doing it or unintentionally, you are leaving a mark on the people that you are interacting with day by day. So your legacy is what you leave behind to others. So you get to the end of your life and you begin to think about your life and People will say things about you. It's an interesting thing at funerals. People come and say all sorts of wonderful things. Uh, I think some of them are sometimes exaggerated. But uh, better if you actually told those things on the way through. But even better still, if you thought ahead what kind of legacy you want to leave, what sort of mark you want to make with your life. Uh, I saw one exercise. They said this. Imagine if you were at your own funeral. What do you want your spouse to say about you? What do you want your family to say about you? What would you want your friends to say about you? What would you want your workmates to say about you? In other words, what would you want left behind? Think about it and then apply yourself to living that kind of life. So uh, we, we, we see in the scripture here that God has created us to accomplish something. Let me give you another scripture in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus' last words to the church. Guess what his last words to every one of us are? They're the ones most neglected, and here it is. I'm going to paraphrase it. Leave a legacy of faith. Leave a legacy of faith. 
Because if you don't, the church will die out. Leave a legacy of faith. In other words, make disciples of all men, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So think about that. The mandate to the church, not a suggestion. Well, some of you who are evangelists, that's okay for you. This is a mandate to us, leave a legacy of the life you live in the lives of others. In other words, be intentional about sharing your life in Christ with those around you. So what I want to do is, I want to, before I just move on, just some, I want to share three areas you can leave a legacy. I was reading an article by a nurse, and she has uh, done bedside care for dying people. And she recorded the five wishes that were most common in people that she nursed who were dying. In other words, she, over many, many years, she had cared for people who were dying. And one of the things that she did with them, men and women, was she asked them this question, if you could live your life again, what is it you would change about your life? Or what regrets do you have or wish that you could change? And interesting, because at the end of people's lives, they become clear about what's important. And so these are the five things that she recorded were the most common answers. In fact, one of them was uh, almost every time spoken by men. And here's what they are. The first one is, I wish I had the courage to be true to myself and not live the life others expected of me. How about that? I wish I had the courage to be true to myself. That's an interesting one, isn't it? In other words, what they're saying is that most people live their life to fulfill the expectations of others and never stop to examine the dreams, desires, and destiny God put in their hearts. So when you get to the end of your life, if you've never discovered what God put in your heart and fulfilled it, one of the regrets you will have is, I wish I had lived my life to fulfill what God put in my heart and I hadn't lived just to please people and their expectations of me. Here's the second one. This was the one universal of all men. I wish I hadn't worked so hard that I'd spent more time with my wife and my family. I wish I hadn't worked so hard or poured so much of my life into work and trying to get money and resources and so on. I wish that I'd spent more time with my wife and my spouse. Isn't that interesting, wasn't it? Here's a third one that came up that was very common. This is an extremely common one. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings instead of living my life just to keep peace with everyone. In other words, I wish I had had authentic relationships instead of just being shallow and connecting rather than building relationship and never sharing my life with people. Here's the fourth one. I wish I'd stayed in touch with friends because now I see the value of these people in my life and I regret that I never followed through the friendships and made time to keep them up and to be with them. Isn't that an interesting one? And here was the last one. He said, I wish, this is a very, very common one, I wish I'd let myself be happy. I wish I'd let myself be happy. In other words, or had more fun. And what people realized was that happiness or joy is a matter of choice. No matter what comes in life, you can choose to rejoice or you can let it come on top of you and live under the feelings and the circumstance. And they said this, I just wish I'd had more fun. I wish I'd lived a habit, chosen to be happy. And that's an interesting, aren't those interesting statements that people have made? At the end of their life, you know, they come to the stage, well, I've got this regret and I wish I had done that. You and I don't need to get to the end of our life and say, I wish 
we can get to the end of our life because we've still got life left in us and we can make some decisions today that we're going to live differently and choose our life to be different than what it was. So here are three areas. I want you to consider three possible areas that you could leave a legacy. Uh, Let's have a look in Proverbs uh, 13, Proverbs 13. And uh, these are pretty obvious ones, but let me just give you, they're very practical. So Proverbs chapter 13. Uh, here it is, Proverbs 13 and verse uh, 22. A good man, that's a good man, or a good woman, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Or a good person considers how to leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. So very clearly in the Bible, the Bible affirms that you think generationally, that you think ahead concerning your family, your children, and your grandchildren, and consider what you would leave to them. And of course, it seems to me there's three things you can leave. Uh, one is you can leave finances or leave some kind of assets uh, uh, or some kind of resources. Uh, you could leave that. Uh, another thing you could leave for them will be, uh, some people don't leave assets, they leave debts. So when the person dies, the family is burdened and they've got to pay debts before they can even celebrate. Uh, second thing is family. Uh, you can leave a legacy of family. What will your family remember you for? What have you invested in their life? And the third area is the investment or legacy of faith, a legacy of finances, legacy of family, which can be natural and spiritual, uh, and the legacy of faith. How will your relationship with God be remembered? And some of you, well, you're thinking, well, I'm, uh, I'm past being able to do anything about that now. No one has ever passed making a change. That's the great hope of the gospel. You can change today. The past can be overcome, and we still have got time to do some things in the future. So let's have a think about, and I want to just give some practical things on developing a legacy, specifically developing a legacy for your family, and I want to look at three areas, the area of finances, the area of family experiences, and the area of faith. And uh, I'll just give you, I mean, these all can be developed. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 14, it says, A house and riches are the inheritance of a father. So isn't that interesting? One of the biblical uh, guidelines or one of the things that the Bible talks to us about is that fathers would leave something behind financially for their children. So how do you manage your finances? A lot of people live just week to week or just don't even think about how they're living their life. In fact, We've been concerned uh, as we've traveled a bit, met with people, how many baby boomers are just, just want to spend up all their money and leave nothing for the next generation. They're not thinking about how they could use their assets to help the next generation forward, not to meet all their needs, but to just give them a step forward. And so in thinking about that, uh, every one of us can consider what we will leave in the area of physical assets or physical wealth or finances or whatever. Uh, And I'll bring some balance to this in the moment. So here's a few thoughts about it. It's never going to happen if you don't plan a management, manage it. So if you're young, why don't you think now, think ahead about growing wealth and having something that you can invest in the next generation? Because there will be for you a next generation. All these old people here were once young like you. And if they were to look back, they'd say... I wish I'd handle my money better, and I would have a different life now, and I'd have more to give. And so when the Bible's thinking about uh, wealth and the gathering of resources, it's not just that we accumulate it for its own good, but rather that we can invest in others, invest in family, and invest also in advancing the gospel. 
So plan and manage it. Think about this. One of the best things you could do would be to just take a percentage, whatever it is, of everything you get coming in and put it aside to save, and you will have a legacy to leave for the next generation. Some people put a 10%. Uh, talking to Shane, he said he's, his father talked to him about putting 10% aside from when he first earned, and that 10% was, uh, was always for investment, and at the end of his life, uh, in this stage in his life, of course, uh, he is quite wealthy because he's built investments for next generation. So percentage. Think about this. Think about guarding the issue of debt. One of the greatest issues that people have to face today is the, uh, the pressure to have everything now and to get into debt to do it. And most people, when they get into debt, don't think what it really costs them. I remember talking to one young guy bought on a car, said, what it cost you? He told me what the price was that they sold it to him, but I said, that's not what you're paying, because when I found out that he was doing a time payment, I said, why don't we work out what this car's going to cost you? And we worked out what it was going to cost him, and it was unbelievable. He would pay nearly twice what it had on the lot when he took in all these time payments. So as much as is possible, live without debt or reduce debt or get rid of debt. Uh, live a simple lifestyle. We found that if you just live a simple lifestyle, you'll find uh, uh, in the simple lifestyle, you can make tremendous savings in all kinds of ways. We've observed different people, how they run their family, how they run their finances. And we notice a lot, uh, uh, some people I can think of right now have a lot of money coming in, but it all goes because they don't think about just living simply, doing things simply. Honor God in your finances because by honoring God in your finances, it helps bring it all into a place of godly order. It's not the only thing to do, the regular giving to the Lord, but it's a part of building finances in our life. So don't think you can't do that. Believe God, you can, that you could leave a legacy in some way that way by applying yourself. Now, just to balance that up, I want to bring another scripture in Proverbs 22 and verse 1. It says this, a good name is to be chosen rather than silver or gold. A good name is to be chosen rather than silver or gold. So here's the interesting thing about this. There are two things that are more precious in God's eyes than silver and gold. One of them is a good name, and the other is good favor. If you read it in that verse, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver or gold. So think about this. A good name means your reputation, how you lived your life, your character, what people say about you. And the Bible says that a good name is more important than money. Many people compromise their reputation and character. They cheat, they lie to all kinds of things, and in the end they have neither a good name nor money because there's something about corrupt behavior that causes money to flee from you. So think about that, a good name. When your name is mentioned, what do people think? When you think of Abraham, you hear the name Abraham. It was already mentioned this morning. Immediately you think faith. Think of Moses. We think deliverance or bringing the, the nation of Israel free. What about some other names you can think of? Noah. When you think of Noah, immediately you think of some, his name. He lived a godly life in his generation, had an impact. Think of Paul. Immediately you think of these names, you think of something. Think of Mother Teresa. Immediately you think of some things. Not about her life and all that she lived, but what she did with her life that left a great reputation because she uh, did what she could to advance the kingdom of God. You think of Nelson Mandela. What do you think of there? See, every one of these names, the moment the name's mentioned, something about that person comes into your mind. In other words, you notice it's not the money. Abraham was extremely rich, but when we think of Abraham, we don't think of the money. We think of what got him the money, his faith. You think of Mandela, what do you think of? Well, yes, he was 
uh, his uh, presence in South Africa, but it was more than that. You think of his character, that coming out of prison, he had a spirit of forgiveness and reconciliation. When you think of the name Oscar Pretorius, Pistorius, is it? Pistorius, that's right. Uh, what do you think of? Well, it's the guy who killed his wife. So associated with a name is usually some kind of characteristics. You could think of Hitler. You think of Hitler immediately, you think of someone who committed genocide. So your name, when it's mentioned, will conjure up something in people's mind. It'll bring up before them what they th- they'll have thoughts of what you are like or how they have experienced you. So when people talk about you, when your name is mentioned, what comes up? Is it come up your godly lifestyle and godly choices? Not everyone's happy about that, of course, but does it come up? Uh, so the second thing we saw, second, uh, apart from a good name, the second thing to be desired is favor or loving kindness with God and with people. Listen to what it says in Luke 2.52. Jesus increased in favor with God and with man. And that is to be valued more than silver and gold is loving kindness and favor with God and with people. He increased, notice what it also says in Philippians 2, 9 and 10, God has exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every other name. So you notice in Jesus, the end of his life, Jesus had a good name and loving favor. He sought those out in a certain way. He sought out a good name by obedience to God and living the life of faith, and he sought out loving favor by walking with God. And he found favor with God and favor with man. Did people hate him? Yes, they did. Did they put him to death? Yes, they did. But what name gets you into heaven? The name of Jesus. What name, what do we remember when we think of the name Jesus? We think about the things that he did, the life he lived, what he left, and the legacy that he has left us. So think about that. And then the third one, the second one is family experiences. And read this verse here then. In Proverbs 24, verse 3, through wisdom is a house built. Through wisdom is a house built. In other words, making good and godly decisions is how you build a family life. The Bible says concerning uh, a house, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. In other words, trying to build family life is incredibly difficult. Bringing God into the center of it makes a huge difference to the outcome that you have. So one of the things that I learned from my father-in-law was this, the value of family experiences, of building experiences into your family that leave memories and thereby leave a legacy. When you think about your parents and that went before you, most people don't think of the house or the money that was left to them. They think of the experiences, how they experienced that person. When you have left this world, people will remember how they experienced you. Were you known for kindness? Were you known for your faith? Were you known that you, were, you, you served God faithfully? Were you known that you were, had integrity? Were you know, what were you known for? So we can build some experiences into family life. Here's a few things that, uh, that you can do. We've, we've uh, tried to work each of these areas into our families to, 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 to some success or another, but let me give you a few things. Number one, I think one of the greatest legacies you can leave your children is to unconditionally love and value every one of them. They're all different. They all got different personalities. They got different challenges. They got all kinds of things. But if you can find ways of expressing that you love them unconditionally and they're of great value, that is a huge legacy to leave behind. Even if it's a small house, but there was love in it, that's much better than a big house and everyone's in conflict and tension. So building uh, or, or sharing uh, uh, 
a heart that just accepts each of the children, sees their uniqueness and their value. A second thing you can do is bless them. Speak words over every child. I remember I was, uh, had an encounter with the Lord one time, and he spoke to me about a, a particular uh, man in the church that was dying, and he said, tell him how much I love him, and speak to him to bless each of his children and speak words into their life. So it's never too late to say words, to speak words of value of each of your children, words of value over your spouse, to use your gift of language to say what people mean and how you see them. It's an incredible thing, especially if your father has power to change lives and to leave a huge legacy. If you can speak, I believe in you, I'm with you, I'm for you. Think about it, word spoken. Another way you can build a family legacy is to connect emotionally. I work with many Asians, and a lot of them, the, one of the biggest challenges, the fathers can't connect emotionally. To connect emotionally, be able to share your feelings in your heart with your family, to share what you feel, to be able to connect when they're going through times that are difficult, to be able to put your arm around them and speak into their life and heart. And that, that sort of thing builds family experience. Why not plan some family experiences together? So here's some very simple things again. Why not turn the TV off and the phone off and have a meal together every day? And in that meal together, talk and connect and interact and build family experience together. People just don't understand the value of that. They've kind of let it almost... We've gone to so many places now where people have just like they've let it all go. But what happens is they've left no legacy of family, meal, eating together, laughing together, having fun, everyone trying to talk together. And, and some families are kind of this, there's one or two of them, so conversation just... With our family, it was everyone was trying to talk. So it was quite an experience to have people... Two people trying to talk to me at the one time. And, uh, but think about that. Family holidays together. It doesn't have to be complex. We, sometime, we had, one stage, we had no, we had no car. I, we, we didn't stop us going on a family holiday. I got a, Joyce family had a place on the beach. We went there. We got a, caught a train and got help to get there and help back. We found a way to do it. And those family experiences were all without anyone else there, so we could just connect as a family. And when you do that, you leave memories, you leave a legacy. Think about celebrating events. We have a tradition of celebrating birthdays and Christmases and make it a big fuss and make it something that people remember because it communicates value. The value is not in the birthday cake or in singing happy birthday. The value is in placing value on that person and letting them know you are special, we love you, we value you, you're a great part of our family. It's in the internal things, not the external. You can change all kinds of external things, but it's how can I place value on my family? What can I do? Uh, so laughing together, having fun together. I remember we made a conscious decision for a season, have no television. So what do you do with no TV? Well, every Friday night, I'd cook fish and chips. Couldn't afford to buy them, so I cooked them myself. And uh, we wrapped them all up like you'd buy them from town, so they looked the same as anyone else. And then we had a, an area in our lounge, which was a big one with a bay window, and we used to do acting. And so every Friday night was family time, and there was acting. And we'd act out Bible stories, and there was puppets and all kinds of things. It was part of building family experiences together. So think about it. You don't, you don't need a lot of money to have a lot of fun. It's all in making the best with what you have and making the focus on the togetherness, not on whether you got something or not got something. And then affirming the value and uniqueness of every child. You actually speak into their heart that they're value. And so we're doing that now with our grandchildren. We're intentionally building a legacy of memories and experiences with grandchildren. Why? Because at the end of our life, 
We want them to have known us, caught our heart, and been able to have an ability to speak into their lives and help them. You can be intentional about leaving a legacy. Think about it. You're getting very quiet on this one. <laughs> leave a legacy. Jesus wants us to leave a legacy. And finally, the legacy of faith. And this is the one that really counts. In Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. The greatest legacy you can leave is the legacy of how you walked with God. How you walk with God. Whether you were a person of faith or religious. Religious person comes to church on Sunday, makes the kids all go to Sunday school, but there's no substance in their life and relationship with God. And kids see the hypocrisy quickly. That's why they turn off God. People turn off God because of what they see that's very religious and lacking being authentic. But be authentic in your face. So here's some, some things about that. Cultivate your own life with God. Cultivate your walk with God. Cultivate a passion life with God because when you do that, you'll leave a legacy that nothing else can live. Nothing else can substitute for your legacy with God. So, you know, what's your prayer life? How do you handle prayer? Kids will watch this in your life. Do you pray? They watch you praying. My kids could hear me praying. I remember one time I was, my wife and I were praying for one woman and uh, she was being delivered of demons and there was a lot of screaming and she was shouting that she was going to kill me and I had a little tap, tap, tap at the door. And a little piece of paper come under. And uh, it was David passing an note in. He was about five or six, I suppose, about then. Six, I guess. And, and so I went over to get the note. He said, Dad, shall I get the gun? <laughs> well, he heard someone's going to kill me. The obvious thing when you're six is, shall I get the gun? Sort this out really quickly. But it leaves impressions that last a lifetime that you've had experience. They've heard, my kids heard me praying. They'd hear me praying. As you can't pray out loud the way we pray in strong prayer. The people don't hear you. And so when people hear you pray, they hear your heart for God. They hear how you pray. They learn how you pray. But often people in homes, we don't hear prayer at all. How do you worship? Do you engage in worship? Do you really give yourself to, do your family see you engaging with God and absolutely being a lover of God? What about the Word of God, the Bible? Do they see you engaging in the Word of God and sharing the things that you have learned? Your family watch how you handle people, how you treat people, how you talk about people. Those are the kinds of things that leave a legacy. And one of the things when I, when I went to Joy's family was I noticed that Joy's mum seemed to gather up all kinds of unusual people. And she just loved them all. And I see it's a legacy. It's a legacy just to show kindness to people that perhaps we're having a struggle in life. And that's a legacy that's been passed from Joy's mother to Joy, and she carries that. She loves people. And so she's always helping people, all kinds of people. It's a legacy passed on. I drew from the legacy of Joy's dad quite heavily because I saw how he did family devotions. I saw how he had a family time with the family, uh, holidays. I, I learned a lot from just watching him. I drew from what he'd built over years. Now think about that. Your, your, your family watch your life with God. You cannot hide from your family the life you have with God. They see it. And what they see, they'll either want it or they'll look at it and say, it isn't real, it's not there. Here's the second thing you can do in building a legacy of faith in your family is deal with generational iniquity. The Bible says in Exodus 20 that generational curses and sin has an impact and an influence in the family. So take responsibility and deal with it in your own life so the legacy of blessing 
continues to be passed on to your family. Here's the third thing you could do to build a legacy of faith, and that is cultivate your family life, family spiritual life. In other words, don't leave it to the church to raise your children. Your children are your children. You invest in them. So start by setting up a family devotion. Have a time to read the Bible and pray together. We should it every morning, without fail, every day. Read and pray together. The evening time, pray when your children go to bed. Now, these are sort of simple things, but actually it's only in the doing of them that you see the blessing. Have a time to worship in the family, times to share what God has been showing. Teach them how to hear the voice of God and share what God is speaking to them. This is how you build an atmosphere in the home. Use your home for hospitality. So your family see other people coming in and there being a generosity with what you have. That helps build and cultivate something godly in your family. So these are, these are ways you can do it. Ways, have people in who, who are men of God that can share and pray with your kids. Take them on a personal experience with, uh, to mission somewhere. Almost all of our children have gone with me to the mission field at some time. It didn't happen in an accident. It cost us, but it was intentional to help them see what God is doing on a global scale. Some of you I know have, have sought to do these same kind of things. These are ways that you build spiritual life in the family. So think about praying for them when they have need. Teach them to pray about their needs and pray for one another. These are simple things, but if you don't intentionally do it, you'll drift into leaving church to fill the need that only you can. The church in two hours or one hour can never substitute for a spiritual life and an atmosphere in the home. And so that will mean if you're going to build a successful spiritual life, you'll need to actually set some boundaries in the home. And my children didn't always like the boundaries, but I tell you what, I remember at one time, one of my teenagers said, you've ruined my life, you've ruined my life completely. I said, no, I haven't ruined your life. I just said, you can't go there. And we rung up to make sure that there were some boundaries around it. And, and we, we did those kind of things. And here's the last one. Be connected and committed into the local church. Why? Because it's God's family. And your, your family watch how you interact and talk about the church. And so I have observed this, that when people love the church and are engaged in it, something is imparted to their family. We've, got generation, we've actually got three generations in the church serving at the moment. Look at Bryden and Sharon and see their children, all their children involved in various ways serving in church. It didn't happen by accident. It's an intentional thing. I look at uh, Dot and Lynn Ward and I see them and their children and their grandchildren all serving. That didn't happen by accident. It's intentional. They worked on building a love for the house of God and they, did, they showed it by example. People listen. When you start to talk and criticize and run down, they quietly listen and they make a decision I'm having nothing to do with this. And they become offended in a way that they need to be protected from. Are there difficulties? Of course there are difficulties, but you don't let your children be offended and defiled by difficulties that they're not up to handling. You've got to teach them a great attitude. Jesus loves his church. Even if it's imperfect, he's committed to make it perfect, and he's going to do it. So we need to just keep great attitudes. So think about that. You can intentionally leave a legacy by considering finances, considering family experiences, and considering building a life of faith in the family and in your own life. Those are some key areas that every one of us could consider. Now, for those who perhaps, uh, well, you say, well, our oh, family's grown up. I missed all of that. I wish I, I should have had this 20, 30 years ago. Nevertheless, just here's the great thing about the gospel. 
we always get a new chance. So maybe we've lost some old ones, but there are some, if we pray, we can put many things right where we failed. And sometimes it's a matter of prayer. And when you get your heart right with God over the areas of failure and you, turn, and you start to believe God, something happens in the children that turns their heart. It's never too late. It's never too late to do something. And for all of us, we have people in our community waiting for us to impart a legacy of our faith into them. It's called discipleship. It's called advancing the kingdom. And every believer is called to build at home, in the local church, and into the community where God has called us to be. I wonder what legacy we will leave. What legacy will you leave? I look at, uh, at Aaron and Julie, and the legacy of management of finances and stewardship and work is just seen now in their children, visible. It didn't happen by accident. It happened on purpose and intentionally. Think about these things. And for those of you perhaps who come from a family where actually it was just a total mess and a disaster and you've been left with tremendous pain, think about this, that God can restore you and heal you, you can recover from that damage, and there's still people you can leave a great legacy to. There are people you can choose that you'll invest your life in. And we'll get on to that a little bit later. I want to talk about what Jesus has given to us. So no matter what was left to us from our family, you and I can rise up and we can make a difference with our life. Our life can be different. Our life can leave a legacy. Some of the greatest men of God came from some of the most disastrous situations. But God, who's great in mercy and his great love with which he loved us, can raise us up and give us new chances. That's the great message of the gospel. And the next time I want to share, I want to share about the legacy Jesus left to us. One of the biggest things is you all get a second chance. And you get another second chance and another second chance. Everyone gets a chance to get a go again. And we should take that chance. So let's just close our eyes right now. Father, I just thank you for every person here. I pray for those who are parents, have children. Pray, Lord, that the impact of what I've shared would touch their heart and their life and that they would begin to resolve and think through and plan how to grow a great legacy for their family. Father, I just pray for those who have wrestled with family failure, family damage, family wreckage, the iniquity of previous generations bringing destruction. Father, I pray that peace would come to them, that, Lord, you give them a new day, a new chance, a new opportunity. Father, I pray for each of us that we would not live for the moment and live for this day and live for ourselves, our life being just one selfie after another, but rather we would begin to catch a vision of a next generation needing to hear the gospel. People around us in desperate need. Father, I pray that there'd come a fresh revelation that we have what we have because men died and gave their life for it. Help us honor the roots of our faith and leave a great legacy for the next generation. Just while we finish right now, just ask you to identify what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about. What did God challenge you on today? What will you do about it? Is there something to repent of? Something to put right? Is there something to decide to do? When will you do it? Make the decision, today is a new day.